0: Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we come before you acknowledging the days that we live in, but we also acknowledge that you know all things, and you know that this day was coming, and that you were ready for it, and that you have prepared us for it, By giving us your word. I pray that we would lean upon your word, depend upon your word, and trust in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Through this book of 2 Timothy, we've been kind of centering everything in the book around chapter number three. Chapter number three, of course, begins with perilous times shall come, And it ends with all scripture is given by inspiration of God. It's a wonderful chapter of hope. You may begin in terrible times. You may begin in persecuted times. You may live in troublesome times. But God has an answer for that. And his answer is the word of God. And so verse number 16 of chapter number three says, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. So this is the launching point into chapter number four. So when he says, I charge thee therefore, therefore is there because of the end of chapter number three, all scripture, because you have the word of God, I charge you therefore, because of the scriptures, we have great hope and we have a way forward. Amen? As Christians, we have a way forward. We know that there is a path ahead of us that we can take. Sometimes Christians can look around and say, well, what are we supposed to do? I don't know what we can do. What God has told us is there is a way forward and the instructions and the way are given to us in the Word of God. So I want to take a look at three responses for us as believers to the Word of God. What God's Word gives to us as believers living in perilous times. So first of all, I see that the Bible gives us a prioritized charge. I just read the verse there, the first part of the verse, verse number one. I charge thee therefore before God. Paul is giving Timothy a charge. Paul is not oblivious to what is going on around him. In culture and society and in the Empire the Roman Empire that he lives in sometimes Christians can be accused of not really being aware of what's going on in the world but Christians who are Christians who live according to the Word of God they walk out into the world with open eyes they know what's going on amen we know what's going on out in the world let's not close our eyes Let's not be blind and let's not just put our head into the sand. we got to recognize the day and age in which we live. And Paul knew the day in which he lived. And he didn't say, let's run from it, let's hide from it. He says, I charge thee therefore before God. There's a command that is given to be active and involved. All right. The answer for us as Christians living in perilous times, holding the word of God is to be active And involved amen that's what we need to do we need to be active and involved not passive and observing but active and involved. we've got to be active we've got to be doing something with the Word of God that we have amen it's not just for us to sit here in the church service and say we have the Word of God we talked about that last week and praise the Lord for that we do have the Word of God but because we have the word of god there is an obligation that goes along with it the uh, the obligation is that we've got to be active and involved let me encourage you christian if you look out at the world and you see whoa there's problems out there Whoa, look at what's going on in the news look at what's going on in my school district look at what's going on in my you know political you know representative and what my representative is doing Oh, you know, see all of those problems out there. The answer for us is, hey, let's get involved in some way. Let's use the word of God. Let's say you go out into your family, you go to your workplace, and you see some problems. You see sin. You see some things that are troubling to you. You think these are perilous times that we live in. God's word gives us a charge to be active and involved. Now, for us as Christians, what that means is we've got to go back to what Jesus Christ told us to do, which is, go ye therefore and teach all nations. Amen? That's the charge. That's the charge that Jesus gave to us. You see things out in the world that you're like, whoa, there's something wrong there. God says, all right, I've given you the word of God so that you can be active and involved. Let me encourage you, Christian, have the mentality and mindset That you're going to be active in your church amen Amen. let's be active in our local church let's not just come and sit back in the chair and just kind of yawn through the service and be like all right when's this church service going to be over so i could go home and watch my football game oh when is this going to be over i'm so hungry already oh i'm so sleepy already hey let's come and be active Amen? amen let's be active in the church Hey, when we come to church, let's look around and be like, I want to be a blessing to somebody. I want to do what God has called for me to do. Hey, let's not come to church with the idea that other people should serve me. Let's come with the idea, I want to be active. I want to be involved. I want to go do something. I want to make a difference. God has given to us a charge, a charge that we have the word of God, so let's use it. Let's use the word of God. Now, some of you might be intimidated and think, I'm supposed to use the Word of God? I'm not really that familiar with the Word of God. I don't really even know where to look in the Word of God. That's why Paul told Timothy, study to show thyself approved unto God. Hey, we need to be involved, and if we're going to be involved, that that means we need to study. We've got to study the Word of God. That means that sometimes when you go out and you try to be active you try to witness to somebody you might get asked a question that you don't have the answer for and we've got to just be humble enough to say you know what I don't know the answer for you right now but I'm going to go look it up and I'll come back with an answer and that means that you're going to go back home you're going to study in the Bible and find out what does the Bible say about this matter or you might come to church and you might ask your pastor pastor I went and I witnessed to my friend, and I, I, he asked me a question, she asked me a question that I didn't have the answer to. Can you help me with this? Is there a Bible verse that you could point me to? Maybe in your Life Connection class, it's a great opportunity for you to share with others. You know I just wanted to share something. Sometimes the teacher might say, you know, anybody have any you know, prayer requests or testimonies or anything? Just say, you know what, I just wanna share something real quick, and maybe ask you all a question. You know what, I was witnessing to somebody, And I got to ask the question. I don't know the answer to that question. Can you help me out? Does somebody have the answer to that? That'd be a great time for you to learn. A great time for others to learn as well. Oh, okay. This is a question that sometimes people ask. And here's a great answer. Here is the word of God. God has given to us a charge to be active and involved. Let's be active and involved. Sometimes that means serving. Sometimes that means coming with the attitude of not who will minister to me, but how I can minister to others, just like Jesus Christ. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. Sometimes that means giving financially. Sometimes that simply means giving a word of encouragement. Sometimes that simply means that you're going to come to church with the attitude, I want to be a blessing to others. He says in verse number one, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the next phrase is very important for us as Christians. If we're going to follow this charge, always keep this in mind. Who, this is Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing And his kingdom. At the end of our lives, we are going to be judged. When our life is over, we will stand before Jesus Christ, who is the judge of the quick and the dead, those living, those that have passed away. Jesus Christ will judge us on our lives. That should give us pause and make us think a few questions. Let me ask you this question. How do you know whether you've had a successful life or not? It's kind of a deep question, but one that I think all of us want the answer to, right? How do I know I've had a successful life? Is a successful life being a millionaire when you retire? Is a successful life, being in charge of your own company, is being successful, having the most likes on social media? I don't know if people judge their success that way, but you never know, right? How do you know whether you've had a successful life or not? How do I know whether I've had a successful life or not? You know how we will all know the measure of success of our lives is when we pass away Jesus will judge us. Jesus is going to give us the answer. He's going to take a look at our lives and judge us for what we have done. Second Corinthians chapter 5 verse number 10 For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done whether it be good or bad. Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord we persuade men But we are made manifest unto God, and I trust also are made manifest in your conscience. Here, what what Paul is writing to the church at Corinth, he's saying, we must all stand before God, who is the judge of the quick and the dead, and we will receive according to what we have done. And in verse number 11, he says, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord. This is the fear of the Lord. I fear standing before God at the end of my life and having the judge say to me, You see that thing that you did on November the 15th of 2021 or whatever it is That was a failure. Oh, you made a lot of money there But that was not what you were meant to do That was not what life is all about and we'll be able to stand before God knowing Whether our lives were successful or not now before that we need to get to another very important point the most important point which is if you are not saved You will not stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You'll stand before a different throne, the great white throne, where you will not be judged necessarily according to your works. The books will be opened, but the most important book that will be opened is the book of life, and if you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, your name will be there, and that is the most important judgment in your life. The most important judgment that God will give you is whether you have trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior. That's the most important thing. Before you think about going out into the world and changing the world, you've got to know that God has changed you. That God has saved you from your sins, that you are no longer on your way to hell, but you are on your way to heaven. That's the most important thing. Nobody, when when we all die and we all stand before God, nobody will be able to say before God, well, but I went to church service every single Sunday. God's going to say, I'm the judge here. And I'm going to judge you according to the word that I've given to you. And it's very plain and clear that God wants us to trust Jesus Christ as our Savior. Have you trusted in Christ as your Savior today? Do you know that heaven is your home? Do you know that if God took your life today, that you would be on your way to heaven? That's the most important question. If you have that question answered, then the next question you've got to ask yourself is, how will God judge my life when I get to heaven? How is he going to judge my life? If we remember that fact, it will help us in life in a couple different ways. If we remember God is the judge, And God wants us to be active and involved according to his word. It will help us because then you don't have to worry about what other people are saying. If you know God is the judge, you don't have to worry about what anybody else tells you. You don't have to worry about what anybody else says about you. You don't have to worry about anybody else's opinion because they're not the judge. God's the judge. So if we know that God is the judge, it will help us to realize... I don't have to care what other people think. I don't have to care what my parents think. I don't have to care what my spouse thinks. I don't have to care what my children think. I don't have to care what my friends think. I don't have to care what uh, uh, social media and everybody else thinks. I only have to care what God thinks, because God is the judge at the end of my life. Romans chapter 14, verse number 10, but why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. If we remember that God is the judge, we can forget about everybody else's opinion. We don't have to be worried about what what are they going to think, what are they going to say, how how are they going to perceive me. We don't have to care because they're not the judge. You know, when you die, your friend is not going to determine whether you go to heaven or hell, it's going to be God. When you die and you stand before God, it's not your friends or your relatives or your family that will give out rewards it will be God. It's not going to be society or culture or whatever the celebrities that are going to determine whether you did good or not, it's going to be God. If we remember that God is the judge, it will help us to realize we don't have to worry about what other people are saying. It also helps us because then we don't have to worry about what other people are doing. It doesn't matter what other people do because they're not going to be the judge. You know, when I was a kid, people used to say, well, if all of your friends jumped off a bridge, will you jump off a bridge too? It doesn't matter what our friends do. We will stand before God and we can look at them and say, I know how God's going to judge them. I don't want to go that way. First Corinthians chapter three, verse 14, if any man's work abide, which he hath built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved, yet so as by fire. You won't receive rewards for what your friends do. You won't receive punishment for what your friends do. You're going to receive rewards based on what you do. So you don't have to worry about what other people do. You also don't have to worry about what you did before. See, there's two ends of this. On the one hand, people think, well, I, I've done so many terrible things and I was involved in all of this stuff and you know what, I, I just, you know, I, I could never serve God the way that God wants me to. It, Paul made it very clear in Philippians chapter three, brethren, I count myself not to have uh, apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, and reaching forth unto those things which are before. If we remember that God will judge us when we die, it will help us to forget what we did before, there's still something to be won. Amen? Amen? There's still a reward to be received. The other end is, as Paul was saying here, he's saying, I did so much already. I already did all of this. I, I, I served. I taught. I was a missionary. I planted churches. I reached people with the gospel. I was persecuted. I went through all of this. But what he says there in Philippians is, forgetting those things which are behind. I'm going to act like I didn't win the championship last year. I'm going to pretend like I didn't win it because there's another championship coming up this year. There's another one coming up this year, and I want to win that one. That was Paul's attitude. And that attitude ought to be with us as Christians as well. We have not yet apprehended, amen? Amen. We have not arrived at the point where we could say, well, I don't have to be active and involved anymore. I can take my foot off the gas. There are still prizes to be won. And God has given to us a charge. That charge comes because we have the word of God. And the charge is to be active and involved. Can I encourage you? You look around at the world, you look around at the troubles that you see, and God says, I've given to you the word of God, now go be active and involved. Go make a difference. Go home and make a difference in your home. Go home and be the light. Go home and be the difference maker. Go home and say, no, we are not going to talk like that. Go home and say, this is not something that God says that we should do. That's wrong. That's sin. We're not going to do that. God says that he will judge that. Hey, let's go home and be a light and say, we're going to do this. We're going to follow God. We're going to serve God. We're going to be active, and we're going to be involved. Let's make a difference. God has given to us his word so that we could be active and involved. Secondly, though, getting deeper into it, The Bible gives us a purposeful communication. So in verse number one, he says, I charge thee, therefore. I charge you. I'm telling you, you need to do this. And that's true for all of us. But then specifically, he says, all right, here's exactly what I'm telling you to do. And he says it there in verse number two, which is preach the word. Preach the word. If we have the word, let's give the word. Amen? Doesn't that just make sense? If God gave to us the word, what does he want us to do with it? He wants us to give it, to preach the word. What the world needs is somebody who will share the word of God with somebody else. We've got to share God's word. Look, I don't know about you. I'm on social media. I'm not on there much. But I look there and i'm i'm happy to see people sharing what's going on in their lives i'm happy to see people sharing some event or some good cause there's nothing wrong with any of those things but as christians aren't we called to share the word of god aren't we called to share the word of god Now, I'm glad to see my friends and, you know, oh, somebody had a baby. Oh, look, their kids are growing up. Oh, look, they went. That's wonderful. And I'm all for that. And sometimes I post those kinds of things as well. But as Christians, shouldn't we think about, okay, what does the world need? Does the world need another picture of me? My face out on the Internet? That's what's missing out there. This face. Let's put it out there. All right. Now, I'm happy to see your face on social media. I'm happy to see your face. But we're Christians, aren't we? I mean, for those of you that are saved, you're Christians. If you're a Christian, God has given to you a charge. Your charge is to preach the word. Now, I'm not saying social media is necessarily the venue for that. Okay, maybe you want to do that. Maybe you don't want to do that. Okay, that's up to you. I'll let you decide whether you think that's a good place for that. But let me tell you this. You should be sharing the, God, the word of God with somebody. Amen. With somebody. A neighbor, a friend, a family member, a fellow church member. And we live in perilous times, do we not? We live in perilous times. What has God given to us? The word of God. Let's not hide the word of God. Let's preach the word. Now, the word preach means to proclaim. It doesn't necessarily mean that the only preaching happens right here. Preaching the word simply means you're going to give the word to somebody. You're going to give it to somebody. You might not be standing up here and lifting up your voice. You could just be sitting with somebody as you're driving along in your car and just sharing a Bible verse with them. You could be sitting in your home, having dinner with your family, maybe having dinner with a friend, sharing the word of God with somebody, sharing what's going on in your church. Hey, there's some wonderful things going on in my church. You know, I've been coming to this Life Connection class. I've been learning so much. We've got to share the word of God. Second Timothy chapter 3, verse 14. It says, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And chapter 2, verse number 2. And the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. The charge that God gives to us is let's share the word of God with somebody. But then he says, be instant in season and out of season. What that means is we've got to persevere through the seasons. You're going to have some good seasons, and you're going to have some not so good seasons. And the charge of God is be faithful in good seasons and bad. Amen? Now, we live in Southern California. I've lived here for five years. I have not seen snow here for five years. I'm not expecting to see snow for five more years. I'm not expecting to see snow for the next 50 years. Who knows what'll happen? But I used to live in New Jersey before I moved here. New Jersey has more than one season. They have four seasons. One of them is called winter, all right? I don't know if you've experienced a season called winter, but snow comes in winter. And when I first moved there, I moved. And I lived in an apartment, you know. I moved in, lived in some place. Eventually, I moved into an apartment complex. And uh, right, uh, right before we got married, I moved in, and uh, we got the apartment ready. And so I was living there by myself for a couple of months, and uh, moved into the apartment complex. I was ready for the first snow. Snow's coming but i was thinking you know what they plow the snow right i mean i live in an apartment complex they're going to plow the sidewalk they're going to plow the streets no problem it was no problem the problem was when they plow the snow they plow the snow into your cars obviously right because you're parked along there and they plow through the middle and it just kind of goes up behind your cars And I walked out and I was like, oh no, I don't have a shovel. (laughs) And so I knocked on all my neighbors' doors and I said, hey, can I borrow a shovel? (laughs) And one kind neighbor was there, let me borrow the shovel, I shoveled all the snow away, and first thing I went was I went to Walmart or something and I bought a shovel. And uh, it snows there every single year. Now, when it snows and you're a kid, right, maybe for you that lived here, you, you didn't experience this, but if you lived in some other place, if it snowed as a kid, you are like, yes, no school. As an adult, though, if you wake up and you see snow and you say, yes, no work, your boss will call you at 9.15. Where are you, <laughs> right? Work still needs to be done, Amen you got to still go to work. You got to still show up. Why? Because business still keeps going. You got to still have a paycheck through the winter seasons. You can't take the winter seasons off. You got to be there. You got to be faithful. You got to be consistent. Hey, one day the snow will melt away and things will be easier. At least for, you know, a little while after they fix all the potholes over in New Jersey, you know, it'll be a little bit easier, but there's going to be different seasons. And as a Christian, we're going to face different seasons. There are going to be some seasons where it's like everybody's all on board. Hey, let's all do this together. Yeah, let's go live for God. Let's go read somebody with the gospel. Let's go to this special church service. Let's be involved in this ministry. You're going to have those seasons where everybody's involved. And then you might have some other seasons where it's like, where is everybody? God's charge is be faithful in all of them. Be faithful in every season. Because God is your judge. So let's be faithful in every season. Hey, you might give the word of God specifically to somebody and might be persecuted for it. But God says, let's be faithful. Let's give the word of God. That's what we need. Thirdly, what we see is that we are to protest sins. He says in verse number two, preach the word, be in season, reprove and rebuke. You know why we are going to go through some tough seasons? It's because the Word of God includes things like, don't sin. It includes words like, stop doing that. I'm paraphrasing, of course. But people don't like to be told, stop doing that. They don't like that. So when they hear that, guess what? They're going to react to you. You stop doing that. Stop telling me that. I don't want to hear that anymore. That's why we got to be faithful. But as Christians, we've got to reprove and rebuke. And I believe specifically this is talking about us as Christians going to other Christians and saying, hey, let's live for God here. It's not easy to go out to another Christian brother and say, hey, you've been missing out on church services where you been? It's not always a comfortable conversation, but it's one that's necessary. Amen. Amen. It's necessary that you have a brother that, or sister that is willing to reprove and rebuke you and say, are you a Christian? Are you saved? Are you on your way to heaven? Should we not live for God? Should we not live for God? And it's good for you to have a brother that says, hey, we shouldn't do this. Hey, this is wrong. Hey, God's given to us a charge. What are we doing here? Why are we living up and doing all the worldly things while God is saying, look at the perilous times that we live in. I've given to you the word of God. Let's go do something with it. What are we doing here? We've got to be willing to confront sin in the life of a brother and sister. Now, sometimes that begins with having a relationship where you show somebody, first of all, that you love them. You might have to begin with, just like Jesus did, that he loved us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. It might begin with, you know what? I love you. I'm doing something for you. I want to help you. i want to be there for you. But when sin comes up, I'm going to be willing to call it out. As Christians, we need that. Amen? Amen? As Christians, we need that. We need somebody to call us out on our sin. Whether it's a Life Connection teacher, whether it's your pastor, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your parents, whether it's your friends, you need somebody to call you out on your sin, to say, we do not well. We're not doing what's right. Let's live for God. We need that. And you ought to choose your friends based on whether somebody's willing to help you live for God, not whoever's willing to tell you what what sounds nice to you. We need somebody in our lives to tell us, hey, this isn't right. Even the most successful athletes in the world have coaches that help them to say, you're not doing that right. You need to fix this. Here, this is what's off. You need to make some corrections. Hey, you're not pushing yourself hard enough. Hey, your diet's not quite right. Even they need somebody. We need somebody as well. And that's what God is telling for us to do. And then we need to, as it says there in the end of verse number two, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. We've got to be patient, continually willing to say, you know what? I know they didn't last, uh, listen last time, but I'm going to say it again. I'm going to try to help them. Maybe I'll try to say it another way. Try to encourage them in some way. Maybe try to do it a different way. It's important that we remember, hey, we're Christians here you're saved, if you've trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior, we're Christians. We've got to live for God. We need people to help us to say, hey, something's not right here. Hey, let's get back on track. Hey, I've noticed that you're slipping a little bit. Hey, what's going on? Hey, you falling away from God? Are you following the way of the world? We need that. And thirdly, the Bible gives us a pressing call. Because if you take a look at the verses that we read, verse number one tells us why we do what we do. Because God is our judge. God is a judge, that's why we do what we do. Verse number two tells us what we do. Because God is our judge, verse number two tells us what we do. Verse number three and four tells us when we do it. So, verse number one tells us why. Verse number two tells us what And verse number three and four tells us when. Verse number three, for the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. There is an urgency to ministry. That there is not a time where we could say, well, I scheduled it in for 2030, I'll pencil you in for 2022. There's an urgency to ministry. And the reason is. Because of a fading favorability. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. There will come a time when people will stop listening. That's why we need to say it now. There will come a time when even Christians can be like, Yeah, I've heard that before. Snooze. Oh, When's this church service going to be over? Man, when's the word of God? Re- okay, these is preaching, still preaching. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know I have the word of God, but I'll read it tomorrow. There's a fading favorability that gives to us an urgency. We've got to be active and involved now. Because what happens is a fixation on feelings, but... After their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. You know why they will stop listening? They will stop listening because all they care about is how they feel. How they feel. What's most important is how I feel. Whether I feel good. Whether I feel loved. Whether I feel positive about myself, whether I feel a certain way. That's why they are not willing to endure sound doctrine because sound doctrine sometimes makes you feel bad. When you read the word of God, there should be times in which you don't feel good because the Bible says we are sinners. Uh, We're all sinners, you're a sinner, I'm a sinner, we all sin. And when God tells us that was a sin, that doesn't feel good, but it's good for us. And what the Bible says is that people will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. We live in the day where people heap to themselves teachers on YouTube, on the internet, even on like TikTok and social media. I don't know why you would get your teaching from TikTok, but some people do. They get their advice from there. Can I give you a warning? As a pastor to fellow Christians, give you a warning. There's lots of teachers out there. Some are good. Some are bad you need to be discerning. You need to be discerning. You need to know whether a teacher is good or not because there's so much access to teachers. So you need to be discerning. But can I give you the admonition that Paul gave to the church at Corinth? 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verse number 15. For though ye have 10,000 instructors in Christ, Yet have you ye not many fathers? For in Christ I have begotten you through the gospel. Paul's admonition to the church at Corinth was, you've got lots of people willing to teach you, but not a lot of p- people willing to father you. There's a difference. There's a difference between a teacher and a father. The teacher lets the students go when the hour is done. Fathers are willing and available 24 hours a day. There's a difference there. A lot of people get their teaching and instruction from the internet. But can I ask you something? If you have trouble and you need somebody to pray with you, who are you calling? Who are you calling? Are you calling that pastor that you hear on the internet? Are they going to answer your phone call? Are they going to come visit you? Now, I'm not saying their teaching's wrong. Again, some teachers are good, some teachers are bad. That's not the point. The point is that Paul was saying, you've got lots of teachers, but let me tell you what you really need. You need fathers. You need people willing to invest their life into you. How many of those online teachers have bought a cup of coffee for you? How many of them have invited you into their own home and had dinner with you and prayed with you, spent time with you, said, hey, let's get together. Now, again, this is not to say this teacher, the teacher that you listen to is good or bad. That's up to you to discern that. But what I'm saying is we need to remember that we ought not to heap to ourselves teachers that just make us feel good. We need fathers. And you know what fathers do? Good fathers are willing to tell their sons and daughters, that's not good. That's wrong. You need to stop that. That's what fathers do. And that's what we need. Now, fathers love their children. Fathers provide for their children. Fathers play with their children. But fathers sometimes also rebuke their children. And the reason why there's a fading favorability is because all people will care about is what makes me feel good, which leads to verse number four and they shall turn away their ears from the truth, and shall be turned unto fables. You ever have a conversation with somebody, and you try to have a rational, reasonable conversation with them, and they refuse to acknowledge the facts that you give them? You ever been there? You're telling somebody, this is not my opinion, this is what happened, or this is what the data or whatever, this is, all, this is the information that we have. And they refuse to acknowledge it. You would think that we who live in America and we live in the upper echelon of the world, right? Financially, all of that stuff, we live, we live towards the top that we would just be willing and able to accept the facts as they are given. But we are still human beings. And when we only care about how we feel, we stop caring about what is true. Now, I want you to point your attention to Acts chapter number seven. You could turn with me in your Bibles there. Acts chapter number seven. Verse number 51 We're going to take a look at an event that happened that, if you really think about it, really doesn't make sense. So, Stephen is one of the first deacons of the first church. He was preaching the gospel. Chapter 7 is all about his message. And his message is basically, the history of the nation of Israel is rebelling against God, And you guys are doing the same. Verse number 51. Ye stiff-necked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, ye do always resist the Holy Ghost. As your fathers do, so do ye. Now, they didn't like that message, as you can imagine, right? But was it true? It was true. Didn't feel good. Didn't sound good. But it was true. Certainly didn't make them feel good. But i want you to see how they responded verse number 54 and when they heard these things they were cut to the heart they were convicted and they gnashed on him with their teeth they literally ran up to stephen and started biting him verse 55 but he being full of the holy ghost looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of god and jesus standing on the right hand of god And said, Behold, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing on the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice and stopped their ears and ran upon him with one accord. So they cried aloud and they stopped their ears and they ran up to him. They're literally saying, La, 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 I can't hear you. Verse number 58. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at a young man's feet, whose name was Saul, and they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. So, a man preaches the word of God to them that was true, but they didn't like it, didn't make them feel good, so they responded by running over to him, biting him, closing their ears, and yelling and saying, I can't hear you! Okay. Are these five- and six-year-olds that are doing this? No. These are grown men, biting another grown man, stopping their ears and yelling out, I can't hear you. Not only were these grown men, these were noble, dignified, stately elders and scribes and priests. Acts chapter number six, verse number 12, tells us who exactly is part of this crowd. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes and came upon him and caught him and brought him to the council, which is the priests and the religious leaders. I want you to think about who are your leaders here in this country? You know, political leaders, you know, whatever business leaders, think about them. They look all nice in their suits and, you know, they're all dressed up. Can you imagine them running up to somebody because they didn't like what he said, biting them, (laughs) yelling out and closing their ears? You would say that's ridiculous. And it was ridiculous. We wouldn't necessarily expect people today to do that. But it's not totally out of the realm of possibility that somebody might do that. Stephen died that day. He was stoned for preaching the truth. But I want you to see in Acts chapter number 9, verse number 5, And he said, who art thou, Lord? This is Saul. Saul was there at the stoning of Stephen. Jesus meets uh, Saul on the road to Damascus. And Saul answers, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. It is hard for thee to kick against the pricks." Stephen didn't live long enough to see this day. But over half of the New Testament books were written by this man who was there when Stephen was stoned. The Bible says that he was convicted in his heart. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. I believe that that conviction came when he was standing there listening to Stephen preach the word of God. And he couldn't let go of that. And I think for us, when we look back on the New Testament age, we think wow, that day, that era, that place was changed because of Paul the Apostle. Amen? Churches started all over the place. Philippi, went to Corinth, went to Athens, went to Rome, went to all these different places, started churches. All those churches were started because of this man and others. Now, we don't live in a day and age in which our political leaders will just start running up to people and biting them and stopping their ears. So that gives us hope that we could simply preach the word of God and make a difference. We live in a day and age which we would call perilous times. God has given to us uh, his word, so our charge is let us be active, and involved in the ministry that God has given to us.